Hey, Mark chapter 4. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Mark, as uh, some of you will realize, and a um, very well-known passage. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. And Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear it, bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But those on the outside, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed on the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. Okay, as usual, I have uh, given myself three points to hang my comments on. There's nothing special about three points. It just happens to be the way I've developed over the years to do it that way, and it, uh, it works for me. So the three points are this, the secret, the meaning, and the application. The secret, once again, Jesus starts teaching the crowds. And as the, well, he starts teaching people and crowds gather. That seemed to be wherever Jesus was teaching, more and more people kept coming. And things very quickly here reached the point where people couldn't, couldn't hear him. And so the most practical thing to do was for Jesus to get into a boat and uh, uh, push out a little way from the shore. And then the people would gather along the shoreline and he, he would preach to them. Once again, as we shall see many times throughout the book of Mark, Jesus taught the people in parables. These are little stories which, when understood, explain profound truth. This story of the farmer sowing seed on different types of ground is very well known. And at first glance, rather obvious. However, like most of the stories Jesus told, there are layers of revelation and understanding that God will give us as we meditate and pray on them first thing that struck me as I was uh, praying over this was what Jesus said to his disciples. I thought, what's the key thing in this passage? And, and what he says to them, he, he would say to us as well, the secret of the kingdom of God 
has been given to you. But those on the outs- but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. In Matthew chapter 10 of this gospel, Matthew has it as, um, sorry, Matthew chapter 10 of, of this story, Matthew has it uh, as, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. And this begs all sorts of questions, if you're like me, such as, does that mean people will only understand the secrets of the gospel of the kingdom of God if God chooses to reveal it to them? And the answer is yes. All of us were blind in our sin, and we can only see and believe because Jesus has enabled us to. Does that mean we have no part to play then? No. We do have a part to play. Jeremiah 29:13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Something about persistence there. Jesus invites us to play a part, to make a choice to come to him. He invites us to follow him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We have a choice then if we do that or not. Do we respond to the invitation? On the other hand, Jesus is very clear in John six forty four when he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me, uh, sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Wow. So at one point, it's all down to God. At another point, we have choices to respond. We are dependent on God for everything, even our salvation. For those of us here today who are born again, you didn't come to Jesus because it was your idea. You came to Jesus because he chose you, reached out to you, and convicted you on the inside and give you a hunger for God. Otherwise, you would, not have thought, you would never have thought about him. You might like to think it was your idea, but it wasn't. It was God. No one comes to me, Jesus said, unless the Father draws them. The reason we came to Jesus is because the Father drew us to Jesus. We can never approach God unless he enables us to do that unless he gives us these desires in the first place. And he has done that, of course, through Jesus, who came and died in our place and rose again so that all of us who put our faith and trust in him can stand before our holy God clothed in the perfection of Jesus. So what is the foundational secret of the kingdom of God? Jesus said, to you has been revealed, given the secret. Do you know the secret? I sort of go, do you know the secret? It's a secret. Who likes secrets? I hate them, but who likes, some people like secrets. I, I mean, sometimes secrets are good. I know a secret. He said, there's a secret here. Do you know it? Because it's been revealed to you. You know who the, what the secret of the kingdom is? His name is Jesus. That's the secret. The, the secret of the kingdom of God is Jesus. You might think, well, that's a bit strange. Not really. Jesus is God revealed. Jesus is the one who reveals God to us. What's God like? He's like Jesus. Read about Jesus. Once you know Jesus, everything else falls into place. 
Jesus could only give the keys of the kingdom of, of God to Peter and to the church in Matthew 16, 18 to 20, because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. What, what, what's the mystery of the kingdom? Look at Jesus. He's the key. He's the secret revealed. We don't talk about church. Uh, praise God for church. Praise God for religion. Praise God for nice songs. Praise God for doing good things. All of those things have a place. But at the end of the day, we don't preach those things. We preach Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. He is the secret revealed. Oh, I love it. We've been doing We've been singing our hands lifted high to Jesus. It's about Jesus. Praise God, it's not about religion or your favorite song that gives you a warm fuzzy when you sing it. Do you get those? Depends how you're wired. I, I, music unlocks my soul. It's just the way I'm wired. So certain songs, oh, you know that feeling? Certain songs make me cry. Certain bits of music make me cry. It kind of unlocks my soul. Makes me all mushy and squidgy on the inside. You know? D d yeah, I know I'm a wuss. But that's how I am. Right? And that can happen with pipe organ music. That can happen with classical music. That can happen with, with, with all sorts of music if the, if the chords are right. <laughs> that can happen in worship as we sing our songs. Just picked up a new a new album lately by Darlene Zek or Zich or whatever you call her. Pardon? Jack. Check. Well, her anyway <laughs> made an album in, in the USA called Revealing Jesus. And it's just great. Absolutely brilliant. I... I it just unlocks you. Who, who've heard of a guy called Chuck Girard? Anybody ever? Yeah? Wow. If you go onto Spotify, all his stuff's there. It's wonderful. And there's one called The Voice of the Wind. And if I sit and listen to that, it just takes you for an hour into the presence of God. And I cry there. That's what music does. But we can have our favorite music and get our warm fuzzy. But whether you feel that or not, because one person's warm fuzzy and there's another person's nothing, it's not about that. It's about this. Jesus is the revealed Word of God. He shows us what God is like. It, he is the truth. He is the living way. He's the Savior of the world. He's the secret revealed. And if you want to know about the kingdom of God, it's all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. That's the secret. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom. We get ourselves, we fall trying to understand this. No, no. Jesus reveals everything. I love it. I love him. I give my life to him. I'm passionate about him. Loads of mysteries about the kingdom of God. Loads of mystery about God, isn't there? Mystery about his purposes. But at whatever the question, the answer is always Jesus. Once we know who Jesus is, we see the door wide open to a life of freedom and joy with God as our Father. But you have to respond to him. When you see him, you have to say, yes, I come to you. I repent of my sin. I will live your way. I will put my trust in you. That's becoming a Christian. 
It's not coming to church. It's not singing the songs. It's about seeing Jesus, knowing the secret, and then choosing to respond to him. We have a part to play. That's my point one. Point two, the meaning. Jesus tells this story, and then later, when it's just him and this wider group of disciples, he explains what it means, because clearly they haven't got it. You see, some people heard that story, and all they heard was the story about a farmer. Can you imagine recounting? We heard Jesus today. He was telling a story about a farmer. Why was he talking about a farmer? You can imagine the dialogue at home. He's just telling stories about farmers and seeds. That's what a lot of people heard. He was attractive, but they just heard stories about farmers and seeds and things growing and rocky soil. But the true meaning was about people and what kind of soil they are. And that will determine, Jesus says, how they respond when they hear the gospel. It's quite an uncomfortable parable, actually. I would suggest, though, it's not just about hearing the gospel. It's not just for the first time. It's about our ongoing walk with God as his word is poured into our lives. I believe with all my heart the word of God works. Okay? You'll hear me say it over and over. The word of God works. That's why I preach so much. Probably on my tombstone you can put, he preached till he dropped. I can live with that. Don't know if you can. (laughs) But the type of soil the word falls on will determine how effective it is. That's what Jesus is saying. It puts an onus on us to some degree puts an onus on us what to expect when we share the word. Some people respond well, some want at all, and there'll be all different responses and journeys that people have. But even within the church, people will respond in different ways, in different levels. Some people are like a hard, like a, a path, and the seed of the word just kind of bounces off. It, it takes no root. It says the devil just takes it away. Other people have a bit more soil, as it were, but they're they're like soil that's full of stones and rocks. They have little depth. They often can't be bothered to use their brain. We live in a world like that. They live on the surface of life. They can hear the word and even respond excitedly with joy when in tears even for a while and say, oh, that's lovely. But, But there's no room in their lives for the word of God to take real root and to establish them. So when the Christian life gets a bit tough, if persecution comes, they quickly fall away. I'll try something else. Other people have so much trouble and grot in their lives, they're like overgrown thorny ground. They hear the word and respond, but Jesus says the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires of other things come and choke the word, making it unfruitful and ineffective in their lives. But some or like good, fertile soil. When they hear the word and accept the word, they apply it into their lives, and they begin producing fruit, more and more fruit, 
of the kingdom, more and more fruit of the Spirit, they, become to, they begin to reflect Jesus in the way they behave and talk and so on, where they live their lives. Jesus isn't mincing his words here. It's quite offensive, isn't it? He's talking to a crowd and he said, well, some people all they heard was that he's talking about a farmer, talking about seed. They weren't offended because they didn't get it. But those who got it think, are you saying I might be hard? Are you saying there's stuff in my life that might stop me being all I could be? Yes. That's offensive, isn't it? He's also saying to the church for all eternity, look, understand that when you go and preach, the word you preach will land on all sorts of different types of soil, different types of people, and the way they respond is not your responsibility. You proclaim it, you scatter it, leave the rest with God. We need to remember that. So often we, we kind of get a bit triumphalistic in church and we're going to take the world, we're going to transform Tanzania, or we're going to trans... No, no, we're not doing anything. We're sharing the word of God. Jesus is building his church. And actually the response to, to the word and the way people respond is not our responsibility. People are free. And we leave them to it. That's our job. We're here to serve, we're here to bless, but not to judge. It's not our job. But we do need to let people know about Jesus. We do need to let people know about the secret. And then my third point, perhaps slightly longer, called the application. Let's have a couple of questions to focus on as I finish this morning, but I say finish, it'll be a little while. These questions are for all of us, whether believers or unbelievers, whether Christians or not. You see, the Word of God only works if we're prepared to apply it into our lives. Let me read a few scriptures to you that will require our willing involvement, and then we'll have a look at my two questions. Because we just sit back and go, ah, yeah, Lord, that's lovely. Okay, let me read this. Philippians 2, 9 to 16 first. Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Philippian church, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's something we do. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to, to fulfill his good purpose. And here, here's, a, here's a good one. Are you ready for this? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. How are we doing? Anybody ever grumble? I tell you, grumbling destroys your walk with God. Grumbling will always destroy your walk with God. If you're a grumbler, you're a person who generally finds the negative rather than the positive. I've told you before many times, I'm a guy who I could be the greatest pessimist on earth. 
I was at Hammond Organ Days when we were there and the new product came. I was the salesman's nightmare because I could always find, well, that's not very good, that was not great. And before long, they all avoided me like the plague because they had to sell this thing and they didn't need me telling them how bad it was. And yet we live in Christian world. Well, it's not very good. Oh, I'm fed up with that. Do you ever do that? Any negativity in the room? I tell you, this is a huge issue. This is a huge issue. God challenged me on it, and I determined to change my attitude and only only see the positive. Only talk about the positive as much as possible. It's a battle, but I got better at it to the point where the managing director one day said to me at his house, I was at his house repairing an electronic organ and a talking about the product and I was just being very positive and he looked at me and he said, you know, when you're like this, you're such a good guy to be around. And I was so ashamed. Here's me, the child of God in, in the workplace. I should be the guy, I should be the guy that transforms the atmosphere. I should be the guy that encourages everybody. I should be the guy, God forgive me. So I worked at it and still work at it and still have to fight for it. But there's loads of problems and there's loads of negativity. But I tell you, for all of that, Jesus is still building his church. It's, the truth is still the truth. Nothing's changed. That thing I said earlier about, do, do, do you want God to solve everything or do you want to be at peace in this storm? This side of glory, the world is full of trouble. And people are a pain, even Christians. And they let you down and you get, oh, Lord. I, if, if they were only different, everything would be great. No, it wouldn't, because there's you in the mix. We want to blame everybody and everything, but the bottom line is we have to face up to the truth about ourselves. And he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may, may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation that you will shine among them like stars in the sky. That's our calling as the church, to shine in the world for Jesus like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. That's a good scripture, isn't it? We have a part, a big part to play there about making choices. How about this one? Colossians 3, 1 to 10. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Hallelujah. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on earthly things. Sorry, on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Put to death, therefore. We. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, got to go. No compromise, got to go. Impurity, got to go. Lust, got to go. Evil desires and greed, got to go. That's idolatry, it says. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now, now you're a child of it. You must rid yourselves. Notice who's responsible. Rid yourselves 
of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Does it matter about your language? Yes, it does. What comes out of your mouth is creative. What comes out of your mouth builds up or tears down. How we speak, bad language, how we behave, all of it matters. We have a responsibility to rid ourselves of such things. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in, the knowledge, in knowledge and the image of its creator. Just a couple of, couple of uh, scriptures to help you chew on when you get home and meditate on and apply to your lives. How are you doing? Haven't upset you yet, I hope. Okay, here's my two questions then. What sort of soil are you? What sort of soil am I? That's my first question. My second question is even more important. Can we tend the soil of our lives to make us more receptive and fruitful in the purposes of God? Can we do anything about the soil? So question one, I wonder if we ever dare ask ourselves what sort of soil we are. It's a bit like saying, what am I like really, God? You ever ask God that? Or don't you really want to know the answer? And if I go to Mike and say, what am I like really, Mike? I don't really want him to tell me because I might not like the answer. I only want people to tell me what I want to hear. That's the world we live in. But if we ask God, what am I really like, God? He'll tell us. You see, we don't ask the question because we're not prepared to face up to the responsibilities that come with the answer. We would like to ask other people. We like to answer it for other people. I'll tell you what Mike's like. Jackie would do that. You tell your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what they're like. I'll tell you what their problems are. If, 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 no, that's not the question. What sort of soil am I? That's the question. And that's much more uncomfortable. We'd rather not ask it because of one, we might not like the answer, and two, we'd have to do something about it. For example, are we hard and unresponsive? Nothing touches us. We have such a thick skin that even God can't get through. Are our lives rocky and full of junk so we have no real depth? Perhaps we could even be called shallow. God, imagine being called shallow. Are we so cluttered up with the worries of life and the pursuit of money and position, such a lover of pleasure and things that there's no room to go deeper with God? Yet all the time God is saying, come close. I have so much for you to know and enjoy of me. Are we good soil? And are we keeping the soil of our lives in good condition? I can't answer any of that for you. I can only answer for myself. And you can't answer for me. You can only answer for yourselves. That's my first, first question then. What sort of soil are we? Second question. Can we tend the soil of our lives to make it even more receptive and fruitful in the purposes of God? 
I would say an emphatic yes. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's something like, no, there's a freedom here I'm going to press into. I'm going to learn to live in the good of it. I have a responsibility. I'm going to, I'm going to apply this truth to my life. We can all grow in God. We can all become more like Jesus. That's God's plan for us as we learn to cooperate with the indwelling Holy Spirit. We may be quite hard, naturally. But as we cooperate with God, he will help us take the risk of becoming more open and vulnerable. How many people I meet who are actually quite closed? You don't really get in there because of pain, of hurt, of, 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 of life, of background, of all sorts of things, maybe secret sin. But, but you know, you, you go so far, but it's, it, you never get in. Do you know what I'm talking about? When I worked in the real world for Hammond Organ, I loved my job. Yeah, I'm, I'm 64, and I, I, I look by left in 85, and I say, you know what, I still miss it. <sighs> Isn't it weird? I miss working in a soundproof room on my own. Hallelujah. Right? And people would come in and they would talk to me. I miss all that. But when I worked for them, I, a, a guy said to me one day, he said, I don't really know if I like talking to you. I said, why? Well, he said, most people like to talk at this level. But he said, you could go want to go down there and know what's really there. He said, I, I don't, you kind of disarm people. I said, yeah, that's the real you. I don't, I don't want to go in there. I want to live here. See, most of the people in the world, they're bouncing your next door neighbor. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's all superficial. It's bouncing off. Yeah, no. But under there, there's a whole backstory to life. It's a hidden story to life when we don't even face the truth of ourselves. It, we just think, I'll just stay up here. And even in church, we would never do that, would we? Yes. Yes. It's safer here. I don't know if I want you to know about that. And yet that is where God comes in. Dare we take the risk of letting God in and becoming open and vulnerable? Our lives may be full of junk, which we can cover over with a layer of soil. Have you ever done that? When, when I was in a te teenager, my, my dad had a Renault, Renault Dauphine. Anybody remember the Renault Dauphine adverts? No, that's really, ah, hallelujah. One or two of us left. Right? Well, they were great, except they rusted a lot. And uh, my dad was kind. He got another car, and he, he actually gave it to me. I, I was still only 16. And it was, I thought, I'll do something with it. And I got in one day, and the floor fell through. Okay? So it was stuck in the garage with the floor. I thought, I'll break it up. So I, I literally took it to pieces. We, we had the engine at the back. So we, we lifted it up and took the engine out. And we sawed up the whole thing. And I buried it in the garden and covered it over with soil. Somebody probably dug it up one day when they bought the house. and thought, what is this? Do, do you... See, how many of us live life like that? Well, there's all that stuff. But we know what we can... We can smooth the soil... Doesn't that look nice? Doesn't that look lovely? And we live there. Well, we know what's underneath. God knows what's underneath. 
He would love to walk us through digging out the rubble of past pain and hurt. Things we've not really let go of. People we haven't forgiven. And I feel God would say to all of us, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. It is for freedom Christ set us free. It's time to move on. Or maybe we're so cluttered with the stuff of life that worries that seem insoluble, secret desires to be wealthy and famous, like the X Factor. (laughs) I hate that program. I hate all of those programs because everybody's so desperate to be famous. Please. Who wants fame like that anyway? That's shallow. I tell you, it's so shallow, it's scary. It's superficial. It counts for nothing. Here's a day, gone tomorrow, and you just feel worse than you did when you started. Secret desires to be wealthy and famous in the wrong belief that it will make us happy. Maybe we're hiding sinful desires and actions that we can't seem to get free of. It's time to return to our first love. Make Jesus number one again and say to him, Lord, I want to be good soil. I want to be good soil. I I want to grow. I want to mature. I want to be a man of God, a woman of God. I, I want to be all I can be this side of glory. I don't want to just get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to grow. It's for freedom Christ set us free, to grow, to become, to, 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 to live it, to enjoy it, to be a blessing to the people around us, to make a difference in society, make a difference with our neighbors, make a difference to our family. That's our calling. Can't do it on our own. Perhaps we think we're doing fine. I'm lovely soil, thank you. Come and have a feel. Run your hands through it. It's marvelous. Please don't. Be careful. I'm no gardener. But I do know that every now and again you need to turn over the soil to stop it becoming hard and unworkable. Our soil in in our garden got so hard at the beginning of the year, we, we finished up getting some strong guys to come and dig it over for us. It was like concrete. It had been wonderful a couple of years before, but we hadn't kept turning it over, and what happens is it just becomes like concrete. What I do know, not a gardener, but I do know that weeds always seem quick to grow, all by themselves. Have you noticed? The stuff you want to grow struggles, but weeds, no, they keep coming all by themselves, and you have to get rid of them. You might be good soil, but are you tending the soil? Are you getting rid of the weeds? Are you keeping it turned over? And you know what? A bit of fertilizer never hurt either, apparently. I'm going to pray together in a moment. But I want to say this. What I'm sharing with you this morning is not to encourage any of us to navel-gazing and self-preoccupation. Because that's the, that, that's the flip side of it. I become so absorbed in myself. I need to be perfect. No, no, you are already perfect in Christ if you're a believer. That's your starting point. However, your effectiveness and your fruitfulness 
you need to sort stuff out so you can become more and more pliable and used by God. So it's not about navel-gazing and self-preoccupation. I share this today so that we can increasingly be a people who produce wonderful fruit for the glory of God. And as we live in this sin-sick world, we're always pointing people to Jesus. Say, you know, I know a secret. Do you want to know a secret? His name is Jesus. And bit by bit, people look at us and think, what is it about you? Well, I'm not perfect, but I'm working out something. I'm working out something about God in me. I'm learning how to work out this wonderful thing called salvation. That I'm free, and I'm learning to live in my freedom, and I'm learning to be fruitful, and it's a journey. But, oh, wow, it's so frustrating. And because I do, as I'm working that through, we begin, as we work that through, we begin to demonstrate his king, kingdom at every opportunity. It starts and ends with Jesus, but the real question this morning, what sort of soil are you? What sort of soil am I? I can't answer for you, but I do believe through personal choice, through cooperation with God, through getting people to work stuff through with us, if need be, and taking some risks we can get rid of grot, we can deal with sin, and we can become really fruitful in the purposes of God. Are you up for that? That's our calling. That's our calling. And I love it. Absolutely love it. What a privilege to walk with God. It'd be costly. Choices to be made, but this is for you. This is for every one of us. So I want us to pray. I, I just, I'm going to invite. I don't want us to stand. I want us to pray. I'm just going to let. Just want to sit in the presence of God for a few minutes and just let God minister to our soul. Really, help us probably to close your eyes. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and apply the Word of God to us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came and revealed God. You are the revelation of God to us. You are the second person of the Trinity. We honor you. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you because Jesus poured you upon us as he went back to the Father. He sent you, and you are just like Jesus, and you continue to bring revelation after revelation of what God's like. You open up the Word of God to us more and more. And we welcome you here right now. And I, I just say, Lord, as I preached this morning, as I brought the Word this morning, would you, Holy Spirit, just come and speak into each heart what sort of soil we are. Deliver us, Lord, from superficiality. Help us face the truth. There's no condemnation in God. There's no condemnation from heaven. God asks these questions that we may grow. Lord, in your mercy, will you come, Holy Spirit? Just sit in your presence now, would you? Would come right now, would you? Just right now. Speak deep into our hearts. We love your presence, Lord. We love your presence. We, we, love, we love your touch. 
We love your word, Lord, but I pray where we're, we're trying to shut it out right now, where, where the enemy's trying to take it away, where we're trying to block off things. We don't really want to think about this. We're going to go home and have some lunch. And I just pray, Lord, we just wait. I, I pray you just break through whatever we're like. Right now. I pray you'll show us in the coming week, each one of us, what sort of soil we are. Not to condemn, but that we may be prepared to respond and work with you in becoming better soil for your word. We love your presence. We love your touch. Lord, I, I pray you won't let us off. I pray you won't let us hide. I pray you won't, you won't let us just, just wash it away. I pray this word will pursue us, not just this week, but in days to come and weeks to come. I pray it will, we'll just find a resting place that we can't get rid of. It will pursue us and pursue us and pursue until we respond to you. Because I know this is your plan for us. I know you want us to be a holy people. I know you call us to freedom and to live in freedom and to be serious about our freedom and to walk in freedom. Lord, the devil has held your church back too long. We're born again, but we haven't lived in our freedom. We've, we've, we've let other stuff spoil Well, I say to the devil this morning, clear off. We are the people of God. We are saved. We are born again. We've been redeemed. The price has been paid. We say, Lord Jesus, for every one in this room, I pray we will fight. We will fight. We will pray. We will pursue to to true freedom and to true liberty. Come, Holy Spirit, quicken us. Quicken us. Show us. And be in your grace, be gentle with us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you. I wonder if Andy would come with the band and we'll sing as we close. Really felt God gave me that to, to, to share this morning. It was wasn't quite sure what to do with it, but I felt so strongly, this is vital. This is vital to your Christian walk and to my Christian walk. And you know what? The Word of God keeps being sown, doesn't matter how old you get. It keeps being sown. We're all on a journey. And I would say as you get older, you kind of think, well, I've done it now. No, you haven't. The Word of God is still being sown, and the soil still needs to be tender and healthy. Lord, we welcome you to do your work in us this coming week in the weeks ahead. Let's stand.